You are listening to the Icehouse Podcast, hosting conversations with gritty Kiwi business owners and leaders and industry-leading minds. Kia ora everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Ice House podcast. I am Briar, the community manager and really awesome to be having incredible conversations with our alumni, our business owners and leaders that are just doing great things in the community and just doing really good business. And this story is no different. I am talking today with Trina Jones. She is an owner manager program Uh, 60 alumni, so it has recently finished the program. She's also the co-founder of Cultivate, a recruitment company helping people grow and thrive by connecting potential and opportunity. Thank you so much, Trina, for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate um, your time and being here. No worries. Well, I'd like to start with a very open question. Everyone tends to answer it a little bit different. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What What are you passionate about? Uh, well, look, I am originally uh, a West Aucklander, so I am pre- pretty proud of, of West Auckland. Um, these days I live a bit more centrally, but I still consider Central West uh, still a nod to West Auckland. Um, but in terms of what I'm passionate about, look, I love to travel. Um, I think anyone who knows me knows that that is a, a very um, core part of what I think about. Oh, you know, where am I going to next? What countries can I add to the list? Um, all of that good stuff. So um, for me, that's uh, a key part of, um, you know, uh, it's almost like a hobby, I guess, from that perspective. But from a um, work perspective, oh, look, I love seeing people succeed. So that to me is is, is just makes, um, is what dreams are made of when you think about, you know, how happy you could be in, a, in the workplace uh, and what brings the best out of people. So that success piece through others is, is awesome. Fantastic. I love that. Can I ask, where was the last place you traveled to out of interest? <laughs> uh, I just went to the Caribbean and Mexico. Oh, so um, it was super cool. Definitely a different different temperature to, to pretty old New Zealand. Uh, definitely less rain, but yes, yes, lots of fun. Oh, good on you. That's so cool. Love to hear someone that's really passionate about travel. To give listeners a understanding or context to what your life looks like, what does a day in the life of Trina look like? Yes, well, it does start pretty early. I am an early bird, um, so I tend to get up uh, five-ish, uh, out walking, 5.30 with, with hubby um, in terms of kick-starting the day. Awesome. Can't really not have a coffee as, you know, those caffeine addicts out there. Yep, I'm one of those. <laughs> um, and tend to be in the office um, by 7.30. Uh, for me, that gives me a lot of prep time to sort of focus on what I need to get done in the day. Um, and then, look, the day itself is, you know, the life of recruitment, no two days are the same. So there's a whole host of things going on from problem solving to managing, meeting, catching up with people getting out and seeing our customers, uh, focusing on our strategy and how we can move some key projects along. Um, but very much having that sort of face time with the team as well, because we we tend to be we're hybrid, so we tend to be in the office a couple of days a week, or in some instances I'll be in a bit more. So it can be a lot of everything, um, but just how I like it. It keeps yeah. it, keeps, you know, busy and on our toes. Totally, keeps it interesting. And yes, recruitment, I can imagine, would be, changing every single day absolutely yeah I mean most people will say no two days are the same and that's because you can plan to the best of your ability but you've got to react to what what comes uh down or or comes at you in terms of um, company requirements or things that happen on the day and we you know we're in the people orientated business so things change pretty quickly so it's important that you can respond to that whilst also have some good planning in place as well 
Yeah, absolutely. You said right at the start, you know, what you're passionate about. You love seeing people succeed. Um, do you think that links to your sense of purpose? You know, what is your deep sense of purpose and what you do and how did you discover that purpose? Yeah, look, I think um, I'm a big um, goal setter. So I think um, for me, I like to have lofty goals. I like to have short-term goals. Um, but I think a part of that is thinking about what are the building blocks that allow you to get there. Mm. Um, and I think you see that through people as well. So if you've, you know, if you've got a new starter and you're thinking about the journey that they need to go on, you're thinking about those, you know, what's the end game, what's the end goal, but what do you do to make sure that you can focus on the building blocks to help get them there? And then when you start to see those moments, aha moments, little wins, big wins, it's, it's you know, it's what makes you smile, what makes you, you know, it's it's seeing people start to really build confidence in what they're doing. Um and I guess my deep um, sense of purpose is built around achieving those goals. So however small or big they are, um, you know, you've got to sort of celebrate the wins along the way and have fun. Um, but you've got to have a you've got to have a goal in mind, whatever. So personally, yes, it might be a, you know, I want to tick off as many countries in this world, but it's kind of a how do you do that? Same notion when you think about um you know, business um, and also seeing people succeed. Um, but I'm a big uh, believer in saying yes to things. Um, find a way to say yes. Um, and I think when you asked about how did I discover that, I think many moons ago, maybe in my early 20s, um, a wee while ago, um, uh, I lost a few people in, in my life at that time. Um, and I think as a result of that, it just made me, you know, you, you realise just how short life is. Mm. I think, you know, if you focus on yes, well, how do you get to yes or can versus cannot? Um, I think that's that's certainly um, a big part of what drives me. Mm. Oh, what an answer. Yeah it's, yeah, it's amazing when something happens right in our personal world that can shake up that realisation that the time we have on this earth is so short, what impact are we going to have? Exactly. And so mm. don't sweat the small stuff. I know people hear me say that often, um, you know, is, you know, I mean this nicely, but is anyone going to die? No, yeah. then you know, it's not that bad. Um, so I think that's sort of a mantra I just try to take with me, you know, because sometimes, you know, not every day is a great day, but if you focus on what you can do, what's in, within your control, um, we often also say, you know, pity city is, is just somewhere you go to visit, not somewhere you wallow. <laughs> so I yeah, think, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, just trying to sort of reflect and make sure that that doesn't dominate uh, or impact, you know, your day or your week or others, I think is, is, is really important. Totally. And you know, having a manager myself that has used that same line, you know, well, no one's going to die from this. So it's not the end of the world, you know, and actually on the other side of that leadership, you go, it gives freedom to sort of give things a go, to try things, to make mistakes, to fail fast, to move on, to not hold things too heavy. Um, there's so much power in that being on, just speaking from someone being on the other side of that leadership. So yeah, love to hear that. 100%. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. It might sound a little bit morbid, uh, to <laughs> speak, but it has, it strikes a chord with people, yeah. you Absolutely. know. Yeah. So going back to that, you know, young, uh, in early 20s, how has your career journey looked from that, that point onwards? 
Yeah, interestingly, I fell into recruitment. I think if you ask most recruiters, that's typically what, um, you know, that, that's how uh, the um, their career has, is um, kicked off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I fell into recruitment, you go in for a role, they suggest that you'd be good for recruitment. Uh, so I worked with a couple of boutiques initially. Um, that was that was fun. Um, but I decided that I really wanted to get some experience in a big corporate. Um, so made that move. Spent a long time there, so 19 years. Um, so I learned oh. a lot through, yeah, not eternity. I sound very, mm-hmm. don't I? Um, so 19 years in a big multinational, um, again, um, super, um, super fun, lots of experience, lots of exposure. Um, and probably 11 of those years, I got into leading teams. Um, so again, leadership wasn't something that I necessarily had my eye on. Um, again, fell into it. Uh, I realised how much I loved it. Um, and I think as as we got to the tail end of that uh, nineteen years, clearly COVID hit. And I think COVID for many people was a time of reflection. What do you want to do next? Yeah. Um, and I think that um, you know, uh, basically manifested into an opportunity for us to get. Um, cultivate underway so um, I think for us getting the business uh, underway uh, you know mid-COVID you know some people might have thought what were we thinking Um, it just felt right it felt that we had all of these amazing people and we could do it Um, we could step off off that corporate juggernaut um, and actually work together um, and deliver some great outcomes or talent outcomes for customers. So, um, yeah, set up the business uh, a couple of years ago. So my first time being a business owner, yeah. um, lots, yes. lots to learn, um, and it's, but it's been an incredible uh, journey, and I think we are very blessed that we had a number of people who um, believed in, in uh, what we were trying to achieve and setting the business up um, yep. and sort of jumped on that bandwagon with us. So... My career has very much been very recruitment centric. Yeah, absolutely. And cool to, you know, hear that journey of falling into the industry and then falling in love with the industry, I'm sure, and enough to sort of have your own business of yourself. I'm sure there's been a whole lot of learnings going from that big corporate model to uh, actually running and co founding the business yourself. Is there a piece of advice you'd give yourself looking back? Um, you know, to maybe pre-starting that business? Uh, oh, good question. I, look, I think um, I would probably try and tell myself to worry less. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that could be applied or not would be interesting. Um, but I think when you've got people's livelihood in your hands, um, yeah. you're a business, you're very conscious of looking after these individuals. Uh, I worry about that probably incessantly. Um, because of the sacrifice people made we were COVID you know anything you know could have happened or eventuated in the market many of which could could have been out of our control Um, but if I could tell myself to worry less I might have had a bit more time to to focus on other things instead of you know um, worrying myself silly. Yeah totally but yeah you're so right it's such a transition though from the corporate world where things are fairly secure, you know, um, in terms of not having to worry about where your colleague's paycheck is coming from that week, um, but then going into that whole other world of actually owning and running a business. Um, so you're a co-founder. Are there other founders alongside you? How did that team develop? 
Yeah, so we, um, so I've got two other business partners, uh, and between the three of us, we'd actually also come out of the same agency, having worked together in leadership roles for a number of years. So um, the beauty behind that is we had that opportunity to work very much together as as a team, um, and that has allowed us to play to our strengths yeah. and realise uh, where we shine and where there's passion and interest and where we complement each other, which I think has been super cool as part of that. Yeah, brilliant. Can you give listeners just a, an overview to what Cultivate focuses on, what you guys specialize in in, in recruitment? Sure, sure. Um, so essentially, we set the business out, we provide uh, a range of talent solutions, uh, a focus being on um, recruitment, uh, clearly, the end-to-end process, but we also are very clear that sometimes we've got customers who would like our help um, with parts of the service. Um, we don't need to absolutely do everything. Um, there's some work we do that might be consulting-led, so sitting alongside the customer to help them with hiring um, the hiring process itself. Um, as I say, parts of the process or the full end-to-end, and that's really across um, delivering contract and permanent solutions. Uh, and we deliver predominantly sort of in that office-orientated um, space, so your accounting, uh, supply chain, logistics, business support, customer services, HR, and marketing. And we work right across New Zealand. The beauty of uh, technology um, being an enabler um, has allowed us to really very much recruit right across the country. So we do that currently as well. Mm, brilliant. Yeah, that's cool to hear. You say, you know, with your co-founders, you kind of know each other's strengths and weaknesses. And so you know what you bring to the company. Uh, what would you say fulfills you most as, as the co-founder in the business? Yeah, um, for me, it's um, being in the driver's seat or, or mm, alongside cool. a couple of others in the driver's seat. Um, the reason I say that is I guess you get institutionalised coming out of a big corporate. Um, you're used to, um, whilst you have some control over how you execute strategy, you're not in charge of strategy. Um, and there is a directive that sits above you. So I think for me, um, you know, being in the driver's seat, making the decisions um, that are most relevant and important to our business, trying and changing things, um, you know, and focusing on the stuff that really matters. Um, and, you know, to make sure that um, you're focused on the right things and, you know, try something. If it doesn't work, yeah. you, know, you know not to do it again. If it does, great, you keep going. So I think being agile has been hugely rewarding. I think you realise sort of, I guess, when the shackles come off from corporate and you realise um, that you're in, you know, that you're really in charge and focus on the right things that are meaningful decisions mm-hmm. you can make. And it really is your baby, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me also seeing us make our mark in the industry as a newer player, because look, recruitment can be heavily saturated mm-hmm. at big times. Um, but I guess for us to have made our mark um, has, has been, you know, a rewarding part of that experience because you don't need to sort of necessarily conform. You know, you can kind of step out and go, right, we're going to try something a bit different or we're going to hear our customers as to what's important to them and we'll give that a go. Yeah. Um, we'll look at the best um, decisions that can ensure that we um, are focused on the right outcomes. Yeah, brilliant. That's great. How has the... Well, actually, first of all, I'd be quite keen to know how the team growth has happened. So started with the three co-founders. Who was the first hire? Well, interestingly, you say that we actually started with 14. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> yes. Please, please tell me more about that story then. I'm glad I asked it. So, um, so we started, kick-started with 14. So I think um, 
it, it sort of harks back to people who've made the sacrifice, who we worked with, um, with our prior agency, yep. who um, took that leap of faith and said, you know, we believe in what you guys stand for. We'd love to come with you. Um, and wow. essentially, um, yeah, so 14 very known individuals to us, um, yep. which is incredibly helpful to kickstart a business. Um, but again, I feel, I guess it's never lost on me that we have um, have had people, um, certainly our foundation or OGs, as we often call them, um, yeah. that believed in us. Um, and essentially, we, we had a very fast start from a people lens. Um, and we're now sitting at 20 people. Wow. So we've grown in um, about two and a half years' time. Wow, I've never heard that before, starting with that 14. <laughs> that is actually such a cool perspective. Um, but a huge you know, a huge learning curve and jump for you, you know, jumping into that and leading a team of that size from day dot. That's quite an interesting story you've got there. It yeah. Is, it is a, a very fast start, which people often tell me. And I think yeah, um, yeah. Even our customers when they're interested in um, our journey and how we've grown and our, our headcount size, they're often quite blown away. But we had a very accelerated start, which yeah. is, um, which allowed us to sort of, you know, um, grow uh, and come out of, you know, ramping up quite quickly, um, but also very experienced and knowledgeable people in the For market, sure. yeah. which in our industry is is absolutely um, critically important, reputationally, but also because people operate and specialise in, in where they recruit. And there's a, it's a very big trust um, mm, exercise huge. in terms of candidates and, and customers. Yeah, and like you said, you didn't just start with a group of people you didn't know. You knew them um, well. So, yeah, that totally makes sense. As you've mentioned with with the industry and how important, you know, relationship is and trust, are there any other sort of changes or things that have evolved in the industry since you started all those years ago, 20 or so years ago? Yeah, so interestingly, um a huge amount has changed. Um, so whether we look at it from a wow. recruitment agency lens, I mean, it was very manual, very paper-based. Um, you know, you fast forward um, to where we're at now, we have a um, huge uh, investment in recruitment technology, tools, plugins, um, mm. you know, the way in which we can communicate, um, social media, you know, there's a whole host of um you know, the technology tools, as well as, um, you know, we used to advertise in print, and now everything is online. Yeah, true. Yeah. So there's been a huge, um, you know, a step in the right direction in terms of accessibility, um, the way in which people can apply, the way in which we um, can interview candidates as well remotely. Um, so technology has played a, a wonderful role in accelerating the industry. Um, and I think some of the other parts that, that have also... Um, played a key role is certainly um, the flexible working practices mm, yeah, you know, yeah. hybrid um, and uh, you know that yeah. has been accelerated through COVID which is I think for most people they're probably that's probably the big blessing that COVID has given yes. us in terms of yeah. a gift if, if, if you want to call it a gift um, has been the ability to accelerate that the investment in technology that's allowed that for candidates um, who are you know job seekers yes. uh, and looking for a bit of um, work-life balance and flexible uh, working practices so that's been hugely accelerated we see a lot of well-being um, obviously we've got 
Um, you know, the cost of living crisis that we're seeing, you know, right across New Zealand, really, you know, that's impacting, you know, um, beyond New Zealand, to be fair, as well. Um, and as a result of that, you've got a, a greater demand on salaries. So um, there's been a lot of work done in terms of lifting, you know, um, the minimum wage, the living wage, and we're huge fans of making sure that we can uh, advocate or make sure that people are paid minimum living wage. So all of our, um, any of our temps and contractors, that is absolutely the minimum. There, we wouldn't go below that. So we think about what is our role in that equation um, to make sure that we can support that, even if it's advocacy work around making sure candidates are paid at the most appropriate market rate or what role do we play um, as an agency as well. Um, But the other piece is really around encouraging sort of an inclusive um, and safe um, recruitment process. So we know there's lots of DE&I strategies out there in market. It's really important to think about that process and how it can work well to make sure it's psychologically safe for for candidates and a a good outcome for customers as well. Absolutely. It's so people-based um, from what you're saying. A hundred percent. So look after people. They'll look after you. If you value yes. them, they'll value what they do, high productivity. You know, there's. it's not just about feeling like you're, you're pandering to, you know, our candidate demands. It's about sort of getting the best out of people. Yeah. And if you look after them uh, and they're less worried about, you know, um, survival in terms of income and you know they're they're more prosperous in their uh, outlook um they've got good balance with family life you know it, it means yeah. that they bring the best version of themselves to to their workplace totally yeah what an interesting time that you stepped into um I know you've been in the industry for a long time but to step into having something of your own there was so much uncertainty around the recruitment, you know, like there was loss of jobs and then it was like this massive boom in terms of salary, um, but just a lot of jobs going, a lot of people struggling to hire. Um, yeah, lots of different dynamics that I know I've heard even across this podcast that um, business owners have been dealing with over the last couple of years. So a really interesting time to sort of jump into the mix and bring value through what you guys do. Yeah, it's interesting. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's a game of two halves, right? Last year it was all talent shortages. You couldn't. Yes. Yeah. Couldn't, you couldn't get people. Vacancies were staying open for significant amounts of time. Borders are now open. Immigration settings have played out. People are back and able to sort of you know make their way. So migration um, has has had a positive impact. Yes. Uh, the market has shifted this year. So I think um, you know we, we're certainly hearing customers feeling that the market is in a better place to access talent. Um, yep. But there's still an art to how you keep them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something you spend time talking to the people that are trying to recruit about? Like, hey, all good once you recruit these people, but here's some tips on how to retain. Uh, Yeah, 100%. You know, we want to make sure that our, our role doesn't just end at, um, you know, delivering a shortlist or having a great placement outcome. We yeah. want to make sure that things are, are considered or thought about um, because it's, you know, it's one thing to get somebody to accept a role and sign on the, on the dotted line, but we know it's a competitive market. There may be other offers at play. So the experience mm-hmm. that we feel right through that process, including after they signed their onboarding to how engaged they feel through uh, the first few months, the training, 
um, how well they're supported um, mm -hmm. and looked after through that. Um, you know, there's plenty of research that will tell you the more engaged people are, you know, the longer you're going to retain them. Um, you know, they feel that a good sense of belonging, a sense of purpose and um, uh, engagement. And they, they know why they're there, they're bought into the culture, they feel looked after. You know, it's 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 a bit of an exercise to re recruit someone, you know. Yeah. I, you know, no hiring manager would want to see that person disappear midway through training so I guess our work around advocacy um, is really just to help whether you're a new manager um, recruiting for the first time or whether um, we need to to give you some feedback on where the market rates are sitting for that particular role um, or it may be that we're looking at um, wanting to you know uh, expedite the process to make sure that um, we, we're moving quickly or at a, at a pace where we're not going to lose candidates either so we tend to um, I guess our approach is to be consultative because we want to make sure we're adding value through the process, but we want to make sure that if they've got their eye on wanting someone, that their, mm. you know, that whole experience um, uh, results in them securing that person, but the job doesn't end there. Then it's around what do you do next to make sure that person is absolutely locked and loaded uh, and is feeling great about the decision that they made. Mm. So. I guess for us, it's it's making sure we can we can help through that, provide insights. You know, we talk to customers around why that's important. Um, and I think for us, you know, notwithstanding that, we um, we do the same with candidates as well in terms of making sure they're well prepared, their best yeah. foot forward, and you know they are seen in in the light that we we've seen them in. So they you know they have um, the opportunity to sort of move that process forward as well. Mm, oh, that's such great practical advice. Um, just that, you know, snippet there of what you've said is, yeah, very valuable to the everyday business owner because it can seem like such a mammoth task to hire someone. It's a huge, huge element of business, but also it does affect the people that are still in the business, right? Because if there's a, a hole or a gap for longer than a month or two, you're you're obviously having to pick up that work, Um and so, yeah, there's so many different dynamics of why it's so important to have a smooth process when recruiting and really getting into it. A hundred percent. A misfire can be really costly. It yes. Can be, um, yeah. You know, it can affect your team culture. You know, that old saying, one bad egg. Yeah. One bad, one bad egg is enough. And it can really um, dilute all of your great work with the rest of the team because people can get quite frustrated if you've got a high-performing team, you know, mm -hmm. Um, you know they struggle with it um, so it, it's really important you take the time up front to make sure that you run a you know a really robust process to make sure you have the best outcome not just because a misfire is a costly exercise but because it your team rely on it as well activity relies on it your ability to make sure that you're addressing a shortfall if, if you do indeed have a team who are overworked and this resource is being brought in to help uh, alleviate that so um, you take the time up front run a quality process um, because you know it's not easy um, you know to be dealing with a misfire at the other end mm, absolutely yeah really good advice um changing gears a bit but I would love to hear how you first heard of the ice house yes well interestingly mm. Uh, my accountant uh, oh, cool awesome program just trying to I can't remember um which OMP she did but I'm pretty sure it was 
a good few years ago now. So she had talked to me about it probably in the first year. She said, you should start thinking about it. Have a little nosy. Uh, I did. And I thought, God, how am I going to fit this in? Mm-hmm. Uh, second year rolled around. I thought, oh, okay, I really should do it. Um, but I also felt quite torn with the mm. business as well in terms of my time needed to be, you know, working on the business, in the business. Um, so, no, she um, was very... Um, you know, very deliberate in a nice way of just, you know, keeping me honest around it. And so, um, yeah, look, I was incredibly grateful. And it was actually nice to know someone else who'd gone through it. Yes, Um, yeah. She was very honest with me um, that it might be a little bit lighter on the old female front. Um, Mm -hmm. But in that look, and I guess if, if there are any women listening out there, I would absolutely say that whilst that, was the case for me um we had a couple of females it didn't absolutely in no way impacted my ability to enjoy the program and um, if anything I would encourage more women to do it Mm. oh I'm so glad you said that thank you for saying that because when we get asked you know how many women do we have on programs our answer is not enough because we would yeah absolutely love to have more incredible owner manager owner managers that are women on our programs um but yeah it's not always the case that's the reality and it is um work on our end I guess to sort of break down like um what the expectations are in the room who's going to be in the room having other people in there that you know look like them that have been through other things in life like them so absolutely agree thank you for saying that Mm. and I just yeah in no way did it hamper my learning experience I think yeah. I think it's um you know we uh, yeah I was you know a little bit apprehensive at the start and but yeah that couldn't have been further from my experience um and I yeah as you've touched on it is absolutely um a great program for women uh and a great program um, when you've got such a diverse range of sectors uh companies owners family structures um, co-founders in the room it just allows you to have a great also a great networking opportunity and, and friendships which has been yes. really cool yes that's so good to hear uh in the role as community manager for me I just love seeing that community come to life and sitting uh in in one of the sessions in your guys block uh probably around middle of of it it's so cool to see you guys forming those friendships and connections because it's such a big part of the ice house is actually the cohort and doing life together post the program. Have you found that sense of community yourself within the the cohort? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got a trip coming up to already together. <laughs> yes. Is that to Glenna? Uh, uh, yeah, yes, our Glenna yeah. trip. So I'm definitely heading down for that. But I think uh, yeah. our dinner recently, we were talking about maybe we should do it twice a year as opposed to once a year. So yeah. Wow. Um, Look, we just have a whole lot of fun together. I think because you've got, um, and we, you know, we talk about it broadly, the whole Chatham House rules and what you share and confide in, in each other. That, that's, it's just, it's comforting and um, helpful to sort of re-engage in those conversations and know that it's based on trust yeah. um, and that um, you have that community, as you say, where you can sort of share where things are going. You can be, you can be honest. Um, yeah. And, and I think also you can have fun and you can ask each other questions on things that you're working on that you're not entirely sure about and it's their specialty um, or it's their line of business. So um, yes, yeah. it's hugely um, 
helpful and it's it's a it's a wonderful sort of cohort to be a part of Mm, oh that's so cool to hear from a personal perspective did you get did you have any takeaways from it you know there's obviously a lot about resilience and and that sort of thing was there anything personally you took away Look, there were a couple of probably, uh, well, there's a whole host of things that I took away. Um, mm. But I think for me, uh, a couple of the key things um, was know your numbers. I know we got mm. that in probably might have been the second um, second workshop that we did. Um, but for the, all the right reasons, you know, um, yes, you can rely on an accountant, but you need to be across your numbers. You need to make sure you understand what the levers are. Um, and you know being having insight and understanding is really important uh, as well Uh, and that's not just um, at a high level it's just sort of making sure that you you have a good understanding you know you can lift up the lid and be really clear on on that front Um, but a key piece was if you don't look after yourself you can't look after others so you know that piece came through just in terms of you know um, I mean I think I'm a pretty resilient person but again to become resilient or to to have you know to withstand things when they don't go your way you need to make sure that you look after number one to make sure you're in the best position to look after um to look after others um and then the last piece i think um that we we did pretty much when i got um came out of the um the last session was making sure you keep zooming out so you've got to make sure that you um you take a step back you zoom out and you consider what uh, the opportunities or threats um, or issues might be coming down. I mean, you know, you see AI and technology, rate at which it's moving is is incredibly scary, but you've got to keep your eye on it. What does that mean uh, as an opportunity, but also what could it mean as a threat? So I think it's in any business, I would say that that would be relevant as opposed to sort of, you know, not, not sticking your head under um, and hoping that it will be right is it's important because then you can be a lot more deliberate in how you tackle it or what you keep an eye on and what you do differently as a result. Mm-hmm. I think that zooming out and making sure you're doing um, that analysis work, it just allows you to make sure you keep an eye on on uh, what could impact your business, when, why, how, and, and what do you do in terms of planning. Mm, oh, absolute gold. Thank you for sharing that. That's cool and love as well the idea of if you don't look after yourself you can't look after others which is a huge huge part of being an owner manager uh, within a business right so yeah brilliant would love to hear do you have any uh personal and professional goals that you're currently working towards it's always quite inspiring for people Mm -hmm. Yes, well, personally, I mean, I think um, most most of my team would laugh, but I would love to because Bali is my second home, which oh, um, cool. yeah, I, I go go there every year. But if I could, I could spend more time uh, away and working. I would love yeah. that. I do, I do cool. a bit of it currently, um, but of course, that's a little bit more of an end game at, at some point. Um, but again, I think you know, there's the ability to um, to think about um, what's important to people. I mean, we've got. I've got a couple of, I've got one of my ladies who works between uh, Australia and here. I've got someone else who, who works from Matakana. So it's mm. just it's just thinking a bit differently around traditional yeah. work settings. And I, I'm, I'm a fan of that from a personal perspective. Um, and then professionally, um, the DE and I uh, area is uh, a passion project uh, for myself right. and some of my business partners. Uh, so for those um, who might be listening, thinking, what is DE and I? It's diversity yeah, yeah. and inclusion. Um, so I guess for us, it's a core part of our strategy. Um, 
And it's a key focus for us as we continue to grow and evolve. And I guess the reason why is, you know, we know that the millennials and the Gen Zs are coming through and that's really important to them, but also having diversity of thought, having diversity of perspective is good for business. Yes. You know, it's not just a, well, it looks good and we should do it. Um, It is actually beneficial for business, you know, and there's plenty of research around town that can tell you that um, for anyone thinking, how can, how how much of a difference can it really make? So, um, yeah, we're on a a big journey in that regard. And I think for us, that's um, a huge focus for us in terms of what we do in that space. Mm. Oh, that's so cool to hear. I love the idea that diversity can be diversity of thinking uh, and thought. And actually from like uh, the Ice House has another podcast called A Seat at the Table and it's around uh, DEI. Yes, that's right. Um, And it's around diversity, right? And uh, what I've so learned from it is the diversity in experience, ethnicity and gender actually equals diversity in thought, you know, because you've all had different experiences that you can then bring to the table. 100%. And we mm. all, like, we've got, there's 8 billion pla- uh, brains on the planet, right? Like not one, not no two brains think the same way. So if you yeah. think about that in the context of leadership teams, yes. uh, teams themselves, um, yes. if you think about the customers we work with, they're all different. Um, mm. So having that um, diversity of thought um, and perspectives and thinking and also, you know, it can command respect. If you're conscious of who you sit around the table with, you'll think a bit differently about what they, you know, the position that they're coming from. Uh, And everyone's got a different viewpoint um, and that's healthy. There's nothing nothing wrong with that. They're not being combative. It means that you've just got to consider um, how you sort of bring uh, that thinking to the table, but looking at all those viewpoints. Yes, know. yeah. No, I love that. Cool to hear that it's a big part of your guys' strategy as well. Uh, I would love to finish on this question and thank you so much, Trina, for this amazing conversation. I have personally learned a lot and got a lot from it. What's the future of Cultivate look like? Oh, the future. If I was to <laughs> um, gaze into the future. Look, I think obviously we'd love to be... Um, bigger um but you know again we've always had a view that we want to grow in the right way with the very best people so we would be quite happy to stay the same size if it means that you know we we look after what we have Um, but if we can grow with um that philosophy of you know we want to complement what we do we want perhaps look at some other specializations again that complement what we do and make sense and where we can work with customers in a greater capacity as opposed to just sort of in one area, if that makes um, from, from that perspective. Um, so look, bigger isn't always better, but you know, and that's actually something I took out from Ice House, you know, sometimes you can be bigger, but actually that's a lot more painful. So again, so, so concerted growth in the right way, um, maybe looking at a couple of um, specializations that we might have our eye on in the future Um but also, and I've touched on it, we want to continue our work in, in that DE&I space and we would love to be um, known as being um, thought leaders in that space and really starting in a nice way, agitating the market to make sure we're really thinking about, um, for some businesses, yep, DE&I is very much a fabric of what they do, but for others, how can we sort of start to try and impart our knowledge uh, mm-hmm. so far around making that process a lot more inclusive 
because if it's inclusive, it's inclusive for all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so great to hear. Sounds a really exciting future ahead and very uh, intentional. Uh, yeah, I think that's very important. You know, like like you said, growth for growth's sake is not uh, a great strategy if we're not growing with great people and with intention in mind. And so that's a really great reminder for those listening to. Uh, and yeah, very cool to hear about um, how diversity inclusion is is a huge part of, of where you guys are heading and, and the value that you bring as part of the business. So very, very cool. Thank you so much for sharing so many nuggets of gold. I personally am walking away having learnt a lot and I'm hopeful, I'm sure that our listeners are feeling the same. So thanks so much for your time today and for being on the Ice House podcast, Trina. Beautiful. Thanks for having me.